How are y'all doing? Y'all are, okay. That's good. I'm doing good too. Um, so uh, we're in this uh, series called Ephesians because we're going through the book of Ephesians. And um, I, w- I didn't mean for that to be a joke. But thank y'all for laughing. I was actually trying to think of a joke when I came up here. I was like, I don't have one. I'm not going to stress myself out trying to find a joke. That was, I waited on the Lord, and that's what happens. It's proof, the video right there. Um, so uh, I don't know why I'm kind of nervous. But not. I don't know how long it's been since I've spoken. All the days run together now. Um, it's just been a while, probably like two weeks, I think, since I've been up here. So I'm kind of nervous. I feel like it's the first time I've preached like ever. First time I preached ever, I think I was like, Kenny, I, uh, I hit a home run, you know, like, it was like 50 people at the altar, like, crying, you know, they were like, everybody's getting saved, and I thought I was a beast, and the next time I went up there, like, couldn't even hold my Bible straight, I was doing it, like, like, can't even read, like, I was some love my words, it was, it was crazy. I was sweating, I had to, like, take my jacket off, while I was on stage, I, I was like, Lord, just please get me off of the stage. Like, I just, I need to go home right now. Um, but anyways, so we're in the book of Ephesians. And uh, just so happened that it fell on, uh, Dawn spoke on uh, Ephesians chapter 3. And Ephesians chapter 4 just so happened to be where it kind of transitions into a, a new phase, like a new part of the book. The first three chapters is really all about the good news, like what is it about Jesus? How how did he do all this? And it's God's love, it's God's plan, did this and do that. And you know, the first chapter talked about how he chose in advance to draw us into his family and he adopted us and he chose in advance to save us from our sin. And in chapter two he talked about how he did that and it was not by our works, it was by grace through faith that we were able to come to him and not only that it's, it's, it wasn't that we had faith in him and that that our strength and and the the quantity or the quality of our faith was so high that it was by his grace that we were saved no it was the fact that both the grace and the faith were were gifts from him so that nobody could boast nobody could say well I had faith it was that he gave the gift of faith and we were able to put our faith in him as a result of his grace, and it's just so, like, it's crazy. It's really so hard to understand. It's amazing, but when you fall in love with his grace, he gives you the gift of faith, and, and so he explained that a little bit and how that it's not about anything that we have done, and that brings rest to my soul because if it relied on me, then there'd be there would be so much pressure on me every single day, and I feel like I would never get there because I wouldn't get there. I'd realize my faults before I even did anything. And well, in chapter 3, it said that, that Paul had this really awesome privilege of being able to share this mystery with the whole world, and that it was, it was a secret before now, but, but now he gets to share this secret and to share this mystery with the whole world, that, that the fact that God loves the Jew and the Gentile and that we can both be in God's family. And he talked about how God's love is so high and so wide and so, and, and so deep and everything like that, and, and that, it's, that we should have the power or that God would give us the strength to understand his love, although we would never understand it fully. And at the very end of that, after it talked about we'll grow, let our roots grow deep down into his love as we, as we grow in him, at the very end of that, it says that God is able, through his mighty power working in us, to, do, to work in us things that we can never ask or imagine. And, it's, and he is able to do that in us. And, and those are the first three chapters, just explaining the good news to us, like what it is. And now we're going to go from chapter 4 through chapter 6, talking about what we should do with that good news. And... Um, and so we're going to start in chapter 4, verse 1, and, um, and this is what it says. It says, therefore, so meaning that the first three chapters, we're supposed to take all that, 
Not that you have to remember every single thing about it, but he's just saying, therefore, because of God's grace on you and because he loves you so much, because he gave his life for you, therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, this is Paul speaking, he's in prison while he writes this, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. So he's pleading as he's in prison. He's been put in prison for serving the Lord in some capacity, preaching, going and telling in places that they do not want him to go and tell of this good news that he spoke about in the first three chapters. He says, I beg you. So he's pleading. He's saying, please lead a life that is worthy of your calling because you have been called by God. You haven't been just called by anybody but the creator of the whole universe, the lover of our souls, the one who sacrificed himself for us. You have been called by him, so lead a life worthy of that calling. What did he call us to, though? Well, I was just thinking, you know, I kind of inferred from the first three chapters of what he was calling us to and and why he would call us to it. And the only thing I can think of, there's only two things I could think of, I just kind of summed up the whole Bible in my mind. I thought, well, he's calling us to salvation. He's calling us to trust in his grace because of our sin and, and trust in the fact that he died for us. That's you know salvation, trust in that. He's called us to that, and he's called us to also share the good news. Just like Paul was doing in the first three chapters, he was explaining that. So he has called us to salvation uh, one of the first things that I learned as um, I, I became a Christian in 2010, and in 2013, I had felt this, you know, this urge in my life, this like this heaviness on my heart to do something else with, you know, like God was calling me to something, and I didn't really know what it was, but uh, my, my mind kept going back to, I just, I, I'll do anything, God, but I will not speak on the stage ever like, I don't care how much you tell me to. I'm just not going to do it. Like, you can, you're going to have to drag me up there, but I won't say anything. I'll just stand there. Like, I'm just thinking, like, I will not do that. That's the scariest thing in, on the face of the planet. And I remember crying to Kenny one night because I kind of felt it coming. And um, I was in the back of uh, the Thursday night service I tell you about sometimes. Um, I was in the back of there, and uh, I was like, I was like trying to turn my head away from God, like, don't tell me. No, I'm not, I'm not listening. Da, 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 da. But it was like I just couldn't do it. And um, so I was going to talk to Kenny about it because I was going to try to make it go away by talking about it, you know, just letting off my chest. Like, Kenny, I feel like I should, like, preach or something. I don't know what, you know, what that's about. But, like, it's stupid, right? You know, it's like, yeah, dude, don't worry about it. Uh, so that I would never have to do it. And that's not what happened. I went back there and cried, and he cried too. And uh, I don't know if it, there was ever any words spoken. Um, but the fir- first thing he told me, though, was before you are called to preach or before you're called into ministry, you have to be called to salvation. Like, I mean, this, it's, ministry is not something you just, like, choose to do. It's, like, it's kind of like a calling. It's, it's, it's something that you feel empty without doing. Like, I thought about what would my life be like if I didn't preach, like, if I didn't. It's like, it's like my, my mom was like hardwired that way when I, became, when I became a Christian. It was like I automatically thought of things and how to try to, you know, form them in such a way that I could tell somebody else. And it was like, you know, I feel like my life would be empty if I didn't do this, you know. So, like, that was kind of like I feel like it was a calling. But um, the first thing you do before you go and share the gospel is you become a Christian and you accept the gospel as your life, as your lifestyle, as Jesus died for you, you accept him. Not only accept him, but follow him and, and trust him and um, learn more about him, grow in your knowledge of him. That's really salvation to me is not just the day you got saved, but every day after that is you walking with the Lord, walking in obedience and and persevering to the end, and and although you fall, you know, you, you read scripture, and you say, hey, Romans chapter 7, hey, this is a thorn in my flesh, and although I don't want to do this, I, I do the very thing I hate, and the very thing that I want to do, I don't do, and 
I'm struggling with this sin, and you, you begin to learn all these things as you're a Christian, that the fact that the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, and you're all, always going to struggle with the flesh, and that that is actually part of following Christ. And that is such a blessing because you understand that now you are an instrument in sharing the good news because you're a walking example of God saving sinners by His grace. Like, you are walking day in and day out by grace because you sin day in and day out. But people see that in you, and that's why you are a light, because you are different. And not only do you sin just like everybody else, but you have grace, and you're walking in that grace. That's why you're different. You're not different because you're perfect. You're different because now you're walking in grace. And before we share the good news, we have to have the good news inside of us. But he says... And you should lead a life worthy of your calling. So, are you leading that life? Are you leading your life worthy of the calling of salvation and of sharing the good news? We're going to talk about that here in a second. It goes on to say in verse 2 how you do that. This is how you. This is how you lead the life of your calling, lead a life worthy of your calling. It says, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with one another or with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. So it says, always be humble and gentle, meaning that you should not be prideful and harsh, right? And that you should be patient with each other, meaning that you shouldn't be hasty with the way others are, meaning the way I think about it is this, that when I'm impatient with others, it's because I'm wanting them to be perfect already. I'm wanting them to not really make mistakes anymore because it's bothering me, and I don't want them to take so long because I'm in a hurry. And when you make a mistake, it messes my life up. So don't do that. Don't make mistakes, all right? Making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Meaning that we should make allowance for each other's faults because of our love. That's what that means. You see, when, we, when you get an allowance, there, there's, a, there's a line there, right? There's a limit to your allowance. You are allowed a certain amount. So am I saying that you just let people walk all over you? When someone's doing you wrong and when someone's talking bad about you or stealing from you or lying to you? Am I saying that you just let all of it go? No, I'm saying, not me. God's saying make an allowance for other people's faults because of your love for them. So, what's crazy to me is when I was not a Christian, I felt like I had more of an allowance to give. Because all of a sudden, now that I am a Christian, uh, I had this, had this mindset that some people could be better Christians than others, right? They could, they could follow better. Um, they could be closer to God than other people. Or that if I followed more rules, then I'm a little bit higher. Not that I did it intentionally. It was just this I guess the competitive side of me was wanting to be a little bit better, but not only that, it, it turned wrong somewhere along the way, so that so much so that I was looking down on others if they did something wrong, and I was completely disregarding all the mistakes that I make every day, especially the pride that I had that would be my ultimate downfall, right? I mean, I don't know if there's anything worse than pride, and I'm looking at others as if they need to get fixed, and I was being impatient with them, and I was being prideful towards them, and I was being harsh towards them. And I feel like that 
as far as general picture of the church, I feel like that is the general picture, the complete opposite of what we should be. Prideful instead of humble. Harsh instead of gentle. We're rushing people to perfection or to salvation instead of being patient. And we have a very short fuse when it comes to people's faults and people's mistakes. It goes on to say, Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. It says to make every effort. It says to make every effort. What's crazy to me is, is that we're so quick to speak. We're so quick to anger. And we are so slow to listen. And when that fault or that person does something to you, especially if it's another believer that maybe you're close to or that you have a high standard of in your mind, we are so quick to say, I'm done with that. I'm through with that person. They should know how to act. They should know by now to not do this. They should know that I'm sensitive in that area. Like they should know that I, I just I don't play that game. This person should know. This person should do this or do that. We have a standard of that person in our mind that I don't even know that the most perfect person in the world could meet. Because of the fact that we're not making every effort to live in peace with one another. What's crazy about all these things is living in peace, being patient, making allowance, being humble, being gentle. What's crazy about all those things is the fact that God was that to us. And is that to us because not only were we saved the day that we met him and let him come into our heart through the Holy Spirit and save us from our sin when we believed in him dying on the cross and taking our sin, he does that throughout our lives now. He doesn't just, we're not in line with him and he's the fixer and all of a sudden he turns us around and we go lead our life. No, we come to him and he walks side by side with us. And He is that to us, but we are not that to other people. Do you remember the story of the rich man had had this this guy owed him some money? And this guy went up to him and was like, Hey man, please, like just I, I, I got you next week, man. Like the money's been short. All this kind of stuff, whatever scenario you want to put in there, like, I just can't pay it right now. And the guy was like, I I forgive you. Your debt is forgiven. And that same guy turned around, and he had somebody who owed him. And that guy was like, hey, man, could you just give me a little bit more time? Like, that's all I need is just a little bit more time. And the guy had him thrown in jail. So he was shown grace but he was not willing to give grace. Do you think that might be us sometimes? I think, uh, I think that when we are prideful and we're harsh and we're not patient and we don't make allowance for other people's faults, and that we don't make every effort to make things bind together in peace, I think that our lives will be fruitless instead of fruitful. And I think that people will not come to Christ instead of coming to Christ. Because we are the vessels that the good news is carried in by God's grace. 
are we the vessels that the good news is carried in? So how do we live this life being patient, being gentle, being humble with a big allowance for people's faults? How do we live this life with making every effort to bind things together with peace? How do we do that? We go right back to Ephesians 2 and we say it's by God's grace. Because what we do is we reflect on God's grace on us and we see how dirty and rotten and undeserving of God's grace we actually are and we see how much more His grace is over our sin and we're humbled, right? First one, we're to be humble. As soon as we look at God, we are humbled because we just don't compare because everybody falls short of God's glory, every single person. No matter how good of a Christian you are, I don't know if there's any such thing as a good Christian and a better Christian. I don't think there's any such thing. I think there's a Christian and there might be a difference in maturity levels, but there is no difference in closeness between this Christian and this one to God. It's if you have the Holy Spirit, I don't know if you could be any closer to God, right? I mean, we have, the, we have these sayings like, I'm closer to God now than I was last week because I'm trusting more. But that, that, there's no separation of you and God's love because of Romans 8, 38 through 40 or whatever, 39. And it says that nothing could ever separate us from God's love. We're, we're not separated. It, it, it's, it's like this. It's together. There's no such thing as a good Christian and a better Christian. I, I just think that there's different maturity levels for sure. But when we look at God and we're reflecting on His perfection, all of a sudden we're humbled. So if you're walking in pride and your life is full of pride, that just shows that you're not reflecting on your relationship with God and you're not looking to Him because He is the ultimate standard of perfection. He is perfect. He is the only independent one. Everything else depends on Him. If He depended on something else, then He would not be God. That thing He depends on would be God. He's the ultimate standard. He is perfection. So if you're walking in pride, you obviously haven't looked at Him lately. And when you look at God, you automatically see how kind and how gentle He is to our fragile hearts. I don't care how hard you think you are. I don't care how tough you think you are or you just have so many walls built up. The walls, the toughness, the, the, you know, the facade, the, the acting and all the the no tears, no matter what, all that is just showing how fragile your heart is. Our hearts are extremely fragile because they need to be filled and satisfied, and we cannot find that apart from God. When God shows His gentle kindness to our hearts, we go turn around and show that to others because now it is okay to be vulnerable. Because our ultimate security is in Christ now it's okay to be vulnerable to others, and we're not going to be harsh because we're not worried about that. Our walls are down because our trust is in God, not that person. Not that person's acceptance, not that person's money, not that person's career or the benefits it can have on you, and not focused on that person's rejection if you try to share the gospel. There's, there's no harshness there because you're not worried about that person. Your heart is filled with satisfaction from God. That's where the gentleness comes from. And the patience, when you look at God, you automatically sense how heavy the weight of your sin is. So heavy that you can never carry it. So heavy that only one person that ever lived could carry it. And he died on a cross for that sin. And it was nailed to the cross so that when we believed in Him, our sins would be wiped away from us because it was put on Him 
And he rose from the grave to defeat all of our sin and to defeat hell so that we could have eternal life because he rose from death to life so that now we were dead in our sin could be risen to life and have eternal life with him. That was his promise to us. And we see all of our sin and how heavy it was and how many times we commit those sins even after we become a Christian. And you see God's patience even this long after you be, uh, have been a Christian or if you just became a Christian, you realize there's so much more that you've lived this long in life and God has had that much patience with you, yet we cannot turn around and show that to others. God says be patient in salvation. When you share the gospel with somebody, yeah, it may change them right then and there. It has the power to. But think about how long it took you to completely understand it. Think about how long it took you to fall in love with God's love for you. I don't know about you, but it took me at least two years. And I still didn't understand it when I finally trusted in it. I mean, if someone was impatient with me and harsh towards me and they were prideful towards me like as if they were better than I was, I wouldn't have become a Christian. There's no way. Not because I didn't want to be like them, but because I would have felt like I wasn't worth it. I would have felt like, well, you know, I can never meet your standard, God. I'm sorry. Because all these people are telling me I shouldn't do this and shouldn't do that instead of telling me how much you love me. And so we're going to make every effort to bind each other in peace. So what does that mean? You see, God in His perfection is holy, meaning somewhat that He is separate not the full meaning, but he is separate. And us in our sin, we're over here somewhere. We're separated from him. But because of Christ, now there's peace. Now there's no separation. And we're to make every effort to transfer the peace that we have because of Christ with God. That peace goes to our relationship with others. Because you know what we're supposed to be? We're supposed to be like Christ. We are supposed to be the light of this world. And we're not supposed to have a lamp under a basket so that our light would not shine. We're supposed to have a lamp on a hilltop so that all can see. It's kind of hard to get on top of a hill, isn't it? So we should make every effort. That's where we're supposed to be. All of that is because not from our effort, not from us picking ourselves up by our own bootstraps and saying, I'm going to push through. I'm going to have the strength. You cannot do that. You may be able to do a lot of things on your own. You may have accomplished a lot in your life. You may have come from nothing and now you're something. You may have done all of that, but I'm telling you, this list of things to do is impossible on your own. It can never be done. Because the moment you think you're there is the moment you break the very first thing, and that's humility. You do this in response to God's grace. And it is only by God's grace that you're able to do that because you're reflecting on Him. It is a natural response when you are in His presence. And what's crazy about this is, is that Jesus said there will come a day where this person and that person will no longer worship on this hill or in this temple, but it will be inside of us. God gives us the privilege of walking in his presence on a daily basis because now we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. 
And when you take a hammer to God's temple, you are taking a hammer to a person. When you take a hammer to a person and you don't make allowance for their faults, I'm not saying to let them walk all over you. We've already discussed that. I'm saying when you're not humble and you're not gentle and you're not patient, you're taking a hammer to that person, which is God's temple. And I would be very, very careful taking a hammer to God's temple. He goes on to say this. This is kind of why we should be this way. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father, who is over all and in all and living through all. It says, for there is one body. We are part of the body of Christ. I would say that locally, just us in here, we form a body of Christ, but there is also the larger body of Christ as far as the world goes. You see, the church is not an organization, in the words of Jerry Bridges. It's a living organism. And we are one body. Now, does it make sense for me to take this fist and hit this fist as hard as I can because I don't like what this fist is doing? It makes zero sense. Because as soon as I take this fist and punch this fist, they're both going to be hurting. And they're both going to be out of work. Now they can't do anything. If I take a sledgehammer to you, metaphorically, all of a sudden we're both out of work, and all of a sudden there's people out there who need the gospel, and we're out of commission. There's one body, and there's one spirit. There's one spirit, and he lives in every one of us. Just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. I read this in 2013. I read this passage out loud for some weird reason. And it's some, it stuck with me forever. I don't really know why, but I never knew the meaning of it until yesterday. Just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. What's amazing is discovering biblical truth. And uh, it has nothing to do with how intelligent I am. It has everything to do with the Holy Spirit opening my eyes, just as Jesus opened the eyes of the blind. And I didn't read this in the study Bible. I just read it, and I wanted to know what it meant. And what's crazy is the Holy Spirit, God, helped me figure it out. He revealed it to me. And you know, I don't think there's, besides sharing the gospel with somebody, I don't know if there's anything more exciting than understanding God's word. And it's you and God, and he's the one who helped you figure it out. I don't think there's anything better than that. There really isn't. Talking about satisfaction, I, I was good. I, I, was, I was full. My anxiety went away. All my worries for the future went away. All my anger and bitterness towards situations and people and all my impatience, my short fuse became a long fuse. It's amazing what the presence of God can do. But we all have one spirit. If I had the same spirit as you, the same Holy Spirit, don't you think that it's kind of wrong 
to attack you? If we're a part of the same body and we have the same spirit who's binding us together, it's wrong to go against you. Just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future, we've all been called to one glorious hope for the future, which is eternal life. As all our calling, we're all wanting to go to the same place. We're not a bunch of crabs in a bucket trying to get to the top. And when one tries to get up, another's grabbing that crab and pulling it back down. Like, no, 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 I'm going back to the ocean first, homeboy. That's not it. Heaven is a gift. It's not something you get for yourself on your own strength. It says, there is one Lord. We all have one Lord, right? There is one faith. I don't have a different faith than you have. My faith is no stronger than yours as far as my own efforts are concerned. There is one baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's really dependent upon the heart, is it not? I think so. And one God and Father who is over all. We're all under one ruler. And in all, he's in all of us. And he's living through all. He's living through all of us. So what I take from that is, is kind of what Jesus said. He said that when the world looks at us, he's going to know that we're God's disciples, Jesus' disciples, by how we love one another. Because you know why? We're all one. We're one body. We have the same spirit. We have the same God and Father. We have the same God is Lord over all of us. We have the same ruler. So, that's the first thing he says after sharing the good news, that that's what your response should be. Yet, I feel like, and this may be just me, I feel like every single thing that we just talked about might be our biggest struggle. And it breaks my heart. Because I was, um, I was with my friend today at work, and uh, we've grown very, very close. And uh, we were sitting in my car today, and we were just eating together like we always do. I sit in the driver's seat because, you know, it's my car. But um, he sits in the passenger seat. And we always, if we, make, if we make our lunches instead of going out to eat somewhere, he always makes me an extra sandwich. I always make him an extra sandwich so that we can trade. And he always gives me some crazy good snack like a cosmic brownie or like a honey bun or something. I'm always like, dude, so clutch. Like, that was, like, amazing that you brought me that. And I, like, I only have granola bars in my pantry, so I bring him a granola bar. But I was like, dude, I feel like you're, like, my long-lost friend. And he was like, yeah, dude, but it's like, you just don't know everything I've done. Like, it's like, the old me, you probably wouldn't have liked me. I was like, no, I, I think I would have because... I mean, I see what you're capable of. I just see your heart more. And he was like, he's like, that's an honor because I feel like, I feel like I'm a really bad person, basically. But it was because of this passage that I, had, I have such grace for, for him and such patience for him because he's not a Christian. But as we were walking back into the building to, to clock in, um, we're always like 10 minutes late because we like to talk. And um, we're walking back in, and uh, I was like, man, I was just really convicted over this passage because I'm like, I really wish that I felt like this about my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. And I was like, man, I, I would really die for you, dude. Like, like if something happened, 
and like something was going down, like I would I would literally give up my life for you. And you know, he was he said this, the same thing. He's told me that before. But that mindset of providing for one another like willing to die for each other and having that bond that he could be halfway across, you know, the shop and I could be somewhere else, but like that bond is still there. You know, I feel like the same for a marriage. We have that mindset of I will die for you. I will sacrifice for you. And that's a picture of Christ and the church and we're supposed to extend that to others but I really feel like <coughs> sorry that was very loud I knew it was going to be loud but I couldn't quit the cough you know what I'm saying like it's like when you're about to go sneeze like you're like hang on and it's like it, sometimes it goes away but most of the time it doesn't um, where was I what was I saying somebody picked me up I don't know where I was yeah so, appreciate you. I have a little bit of tension deficit. It's not a disorder. It's just I, I call it AD because I don't have a disorder. It's just a deficit of attention. Um, so, I just feel like, God, it just, it, it, it's like unexplainable, really. Why are y'all laughing at me? I, every. Dawn and Kayla, yeah. Yeah. Don't, well, it's because Dawn has AD as well. No, I'm just I'm kidding. I didn't take a sledgehammer. That was not a sledgehammer. That was out of love, okay? But this is, like, this is so burdening to me because I'm just like, God, I mean, we talk about it all the time, like loving one another. We, we, spend time with each other here and all this, and, and we know each other pretty well. It's just like, this is not like what you think about when you think about the church. It's just, it's just not. And I mean, the title of it says, Living Like Christ. I mean, that's like the little subheading. And I, it, it's, it's, it just, I mean, it really, really tears me up because I'm like, I wish that that was the case because like, I don't know, it's, it's not... It's not the pastor's responsibility to do that. It's it's really not. I mean, I really feel like, I really feel like this is this is something that your response to grace is this. Like, it, I don't know if it should be something you have to force. Like, I I feel like that when you are in a relationship with God and the Holy Spirit's leading you, I feel like this is like one hundred percent natural. I was thinking about like I was gonna say this. You know, like when you're trying to preach, you like you think of things to say, and you really like you think. Like, how, how am I going to say this? Am I going to be, like, like super turned up, like, you know, be yelling at y'all or something? Or am I going to be, like, you know, like, real sorrowful, you know? Just be like, oh, so sad. Like, and I was thinking, like, I really miss, like, the old me. Like, when I first became a Christian, I, I'm serious. I'm serious, guys. I was, uh, I was sitting down on the beach, like, I got my arms propped up on my knees and, it was when I gave my life to Christ at, it was like 1130 at night. I mean, this is, this is no joke. I'm not saying that, like, I just, like, completely matured overnight as far as a Christian goes, because I, I definitely didn't. I'm just saying, I'm just saying in that moment, I did become, I was a different person internally, because I had, I was, had been raised to life. I feel like that happens in a moment. Not that the moment is all that matters. I'm just saying, I knew when I became in a relationship with Christ, I knew that when he had entered into me through the Holy Spirit, when I walked away from there, guys, like, I'm not, I'm not joking. I literally did feel like a new person. I was a new person. And I knew because I felt like I had heard enough sermons, I knew that this was forever. And I knew before I committed to it that it was going to be forever. And, like, at that point, I was actually happy that it was going to be forever. Like, I, I did not want this new life to go away. I didn't want to die again. Like, I didn't want the old me again. And what's crazy is I had never read this passage before. Like, I had not read the Bible. It was just that I had heard the gospel, and, like, like she cries when I talk. I'm not really sure why. But, um, like, I, I walked away from there 
I literally went to sleep that night with peace on my heart. Like this, this amazing like transformation happened in my heart that so much so that I did not want to sin anymore. It, it, I did sin, but what I wanted to do is what changed. And all of a sudden, I loved everybody. Everybody was my friend, and I trusted people to where it was dangerous. Like, I have literally picked somebody up before off the side of the road, and he led me to three other people so that they could take my money and stuff like that. And, and like, it was like they were going to beat me up. I'm not kidding. This is a real story. Like, I'm not kidding. And, like, I trusted people to that point. Like, it's like I love people beyond abandoned. Like, it was like, it was crazy. Like, I missed that old me that I was just, I would literally die for the murderer because I, I, I'd have no clue who's the murderer. Like, even if I did, I'd be like, dude, I love you, man. You, that's the old you, bro. You know, like, and it was like five minutes ago he murdered somebody. Like, I, that's how I was. I'm not kidding. And like, it's like, I'll read this and I think, God, I wish I would not have, I wish I would not be a better Christian. You see what I'm saying? Like, I, I wish I would not have become a better Christian because now all of a sudden I'm like, I'm more aware, like, who should I trust? Because I'm only going to trust people who really trust in Christ or, I mean, just crazy made up stuff that we don't get from scripture. And I feel like we should, I feel like we should be this way, especially towards one another. We should be humble and gentle we should be patient with each other, and we should make allowance for each other's faults because of our love for one another. And we should make every effort to keep ourselves united in the Spirit, binding ourselves together in peace. I feel like that's, that should be us. Because there is only one body, and there's one Spirit. We've all been called to one glorious hope for the future. And there's one Lord, there's one faith, there's one baptism, and there's one God and Father, and He's over all and in all and living through all. So, yeah, I'm sorry. I, I went a little long. Uh, it's just that uh, I feel like, and if you're really mad at me, I don't care anymore. I really, I used to care until I read this passage, and then now I don't care. I love you. I'm not being harsh. I just, like, I feel like you need to listen to this more than anybody, if that's you. Because um, me going too long is not a fault. It's uh, this is God's word, and it's something that we should we should love and adore, and we should be willing to to sacrifice our time for it. And uh, I guess I intentionally did this on accident. <laughs> Never mind. Um, but I love you guys, and my my goal in preaching is for somebody to come into this room and maybe not even remember the sermon I preached, but feel the presence of God like I did. And I have no idea what the preacher was preaching on, but I heard truth and I realized that the only place to find real truth and real peace and real love and real purpose to my life was there, like it was in God. And I, my prayer was that somebody would walk in here tonight and like just lose all thought and anxiety and stuff that's going on outside there and just feel God's love and presence. And, and my goal for the students, for you guys, I call you all my kids, um, you know, my goal for you guys is that is that you would grow in your knowledge of Christ and actually truly follow him. And if you are not a Christian, like my goal is for you to be okay with saying, I'm not a Christian, I'm trying to figure things out or whatever, and be okay with that so that no one would look down on each other. And I mean, it's just like growing in your relationship with Christ. And if you don't have one, you know, wanting one, you know, it's just, um, I, I sometimes don't know my purpose in life, you know, other than if someone comes to know Christ, I, I feel like that I have, I have done what I should do, and um, anyways, if God's speaking to your heart, you need to pray, 
And if you're not humble or gentle or patient and you don't make allowance for each other's faults and you're not making every effort to bind your relationship with everybody in peace, I feel like you should come and repent and just turn away from that lifestyle and say, God, in my response to your grace, because I'm looking at you and realize how imperfect I am, I want to extend that same grace to others, and I want to come and repent. And I feel like we should do that now Um, as a body and as individuals in the body, because the fist is an individual, but it's part of, it's a member of the body, so we should all do it. because I know that each one of us struggles with that at some point. Um, let's pray. Father, I just um, I want to thank you for your word. I want to thank you for the time that we got to spend here. God, I pray that every minute was worth it. I pray that, I pray that tonight a heart would go from death to life and from a life of anxiety and, and struggle and to find meaning and purpose. God, I pray that it'd be a life that goes from that to knowing that there is one God and one Father, there's one Spirit and one body, and that I can trust in Him for my future. We have a glorious hope for the future, and that's eternal life. God, that seems to solve every problem. Because, God, we can even have peace in the midst of death. God, we can have comfort. We can have security even in the face of death. If that's the case, God, in Romans chapter 8, verse 38, it says that not even death could separate us from your love. God, when we have your love, we have everything we need. I pray that tonight we would respond to your grace by being humble, by being patient, by being gentle, by lengthening our fuse and saying, I'm going to allow others to make faults because of God's grace on me, and I'm going to begin to make every effort because, God, you went to the longest extent. God, you went to the utmost extent that we were your highest priority and that you were going to go to any length to make peace with us. And God, I pray that we would have that same mentality because that's what you did. And we would go to any length. We would go to any extent, sacrifice our own lives because we want people to have peace with you. God, I pray that this room would be filled with your Holy Spirit just so that we can see ourselves in comparison to you and understand your grace and be able to extend that grace to others. Thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you for dying for us so that we would even have a chance of living a life full of purpose and having a glorious hope for the future. That is eternal life. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Mm -hmm.